found some wood and started a fire and danced even though there wasn't any music. I went to meetings, I wrote the letters, and pretty soon I wasn't alone. We get out of the truck, we hiked through this field with our surfboards. I'm like, there's no way there's going to be waves here. At Patagonia, we are climbers and skiers. We are surfers and anglers. We are activists and dreamers. Stories of the fabric of our shared culture, and we're proud to sponsor the Dirtbag Diaries. Visit us at Patagonia.com. So I want you to imagine yourself in this moment. You're at 14,000 feet, and the thin air and lack of sleep has left your legs feeling weak, like you've got rocks tied to your ankles. Fifteen hours ago, you were at sea level and logging off your email at work. Ten hours ago, while most of your friends were on their way to barbecues on a warm June night, you left the trailhead in darkness and plotted all night long through thinning clouds. Skis chatter like castanets across the firm snow, and in front of you is a string of mountains, the sparkling water of Puget Sound, and nothing but deep, raw space. Beneath you, the mountain drops away so steeply that you cannot see the face of ice, snow, and rock you have come here to ski. But it's out there, waiting. You can see the gentle pitch of the glacier 5,000 feet below, but everything between, that remains obscured. The worries, the stresses that each of us give shelter to, it's going to disappear. As you traverse out to the face, there is no room for these extraneous thoughts. Every turn will matter, every decision will be vital, laughter will mingle with the mountain wind, and the day will dissolve into ski tracks seen from a great distance. The memory of exertion and exhaustion will ferment into the most potent tonic for the work week, joy. It is time to make turns. You really saw what somebody was made of. You really saw when you were the person you thought you could be. It's not a sport and we're not athletes. It shouldn't even exist. I don't know why you're here. Really? I mean, when I was going on some of those trips, I'd almost, you know, make sure my stuff was in order before I left, you know? And you say that would be the proud line, but it's, you're not really sure that you'd actually go do it. Just... You'd see him at a ski resort. I mean, he was he was all right, but when he was on a steep face like that, he, he just made moves. Really, the ultimate question is, is it worth skiing, and do you want to ski it? And ideally, that shouldn't be affected at all by whether someone else has skied the damn thing. Today we bring you The Crusade, the story of two stockbrokers, an engineer and a nuclear physicist who, with a little nudge from the internet, helped shape American ski mountaineering without ever leaving their backyard. There will be no helicopters, no corporate expeditions, no photo shoots, just a decade-long odyssey from the ambitious imagination of youth across the Cascade's steepest faces, all the way to the unsettled wisdom of adulthood. I'm Fitzcahal, stories and photos from Sky Shuey, Jason and Josh Hummel, video from Phil Fortier. Welcome to the world of ski mountaineering in the Northwest. This is where the weekend happens. You're listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Um, well, my name is Jason Hummel. I'm uh, Josh Hummel, and we're twins. Most people simply refer to the 29-year-old twins as a unit, the Hummels. 
They share a small rental house in Old Tacoma and spend their weekdays working as financial planners. They've never spent a winter in Utah. They've never lived out of the back of a truck. The Hummels are self-described weekend warriors. Raised in the small town of Morton in the shadow of Mount Rainier, they've been this way their entire life. Rain or shine, my dad would take us out climbing, mountain biking, hiking, skiing, you name it, we were going out into the woods. There was never a weekend that we sat home. First pair of skis, well, they were uh, track skis with some plastic, you know, plastic bindings on them. They had the scales on them, no, no edges. Old man bought five pair for probably 25 bucks at a yard sale. Paradise, the gentle rolling terrain at the base of Rainier, was their bunny slope. It wasn't until their teen years that the Hummels began riding lifts at nearby White Pass. White Pass is a mom-and-pop resort off of Highway 12. It's the kind of place that if you skied with any regularity, you'd probably get to know everybody who skied there. And most everyone definitely knew the Hummels. They skied fast, they went big, and they crashed bigger. You know, we met Ben when we were 16 years old, and he was a telemark skier, and, it, and most people may not realize it these days, but there was nobody that telemark skied back in, you know, that were our age. You didn't see 15, 16-year-old telemark skiers back then. Raised in Yakima, Ben Manfredi and his brother Troy shared more than telemark skiing with the Hummels. They all grew up in tight-knit families, where the mountains were a central part of weekends. While many of their peers' lives revolved around high school life, sports, socializing, dances, their existence centered around the Southern Cascades. Ben's close friends from Yakima all skied, climbed, and mountain biked. Junior prom was spent in a snow cave rather than on the dance floor. Here's Charlie Burke, one of Ben's closest childhood friends. I guess there was some ambition to it, but I think people were just just having fun. Nobody was too worried about uh, being cool or whatever. We were just out kind of doing our thing. And When the resort got old, the friends turned their attention to Goat Rocks Wilderness, just south of the ski area. They started making trips before they could even drive. Charlie remembers his mom dropping Ben and him off for an overnight ski trip into the backcountry. The Goat Rocks became a playground of sorts. There were dozens of steep, unskied lines off of sizable mountains, Right from the start, Ben chronicled the trips with words and photos. Momentum was gathering. Ben would be hiking fast, so he'd be pushing you to, to keep up. And at that time, I think that myself and a handful of uh, alpine skiers were probably skiing better just because we were, you know, that was kind of more our forte. So we were probably pushing, pushing Ben and Troy to ski stuff. The Hummels, no one really needed to push them because they were just... Crazy. From the agricultural city of Yakima, the north face of Mount Adams is a hazy apparition of ice and stone out on the southwestern horizon. Its steep flanks are draped in tumbling glaciers and crisscrossed by massive cliffs. It had remained virgin ski terrain. And it was here, before heading off to college, that Ben and Charlie decided to apply their skills to the theoretical. And you say that would be the prav line, but it's and you're not really sure that you'd actually go do it. It's just theoretically that would be an amazing thing to do. Ben had a big goal, the north face of the northwest ridge. The line casually rolls off Adam's western summit, but quickly drops away into 45 to 50 degree terrain above a large cliff band. 
before a traverse under the crevasse-riddled Adams Glacier. Either had skied a line where it was so obvious that a misstep, one botch turn, one section of bullet alpine ice, could result in death. They raced up the north ridge, and then, like all people, in over their heads they got scared and backed off. But it gave them a taste. And more importantly, they learned that skiing fast and hard on clean backcountry slopes or in a ski area, that kind of skiing, made famous in the ski movies, it wasn't going to work here. They would have to be exacting, skiing point to point, and be able to stop at a standstill at any moment. Arcing turns and 360s were out of the question. A year later, they returned a little stronger, a little smarter, and more prepared. They dropped in and picked their way down the face, feeling their way through the rock bands and searching for the key place to exit onto the glacier. They made it up as they went along, applying the point-to-point style of ski mountaineers. But pretty soon, a couple of 19-year-old locals had scored the first descent of one of the biggest faces on one of the region's most iconic peaks. They were thrilled. I'd say that, you know, an hour or two after I was done, I was feeling pretty good about it. Immediately after I was done, it, I was kind of, you know, psyched, but probably more psyched to be off it. If they could ski that, what else was possible? While Charlie ventured off to the Alps in South America, Ben and the Hummels stayed closer to home. They were developing a powerful friendship that neared brotherhood. It wasn't like, who am I going to climb with this weekend? It was like, what are we going to do this weekend? And I so think that made plan. it a lot easier because you had your group and you were ready to go. You had the weekends off, there was no kids, there was really no work, there were school issues, but you really had the time and uh, the ambition. Somewhere along the way, Ben developed a website for class, Cascade Classics. It was essentially a blog before blogs really existed. Ben would upload the photos and trip reports from the weekend adventures. His posts, you go through them, and they're infectious. The love for his sport, for the high places, and for his friends permeates every paragraph. Reading back through them, you also get the sense while Ben and the Hummels were exceptional young talents, they were also exceptionally lucky. We got ourselves in over our heads many times. I think anybody learning from scratch with nobody to teach him, nobody to mentor him, they're going to take risks that maybe they shouldn't. maybe had some idea of what these places were like, but not really. It was kind of like, go out there, look, see, and do, and yeah, it was a battle. Oh man, it always felt like it. For a group of young kids, Ben and the Hummels, they were incredibly focused. They didn't party, the Hummels didn't even drink. They went to school, they worked, and they skied. They put an incredible amount of energy into learning their craft. Along the way, they made a lot of mistakes, bad mistakes, that they were lucky to survive. In the winter months, they were caught in slides, but miraculously escaped. They skied off cliffs. Maybe the closest call came during a winter ski off Mount Rainier. It's funny, in movies and stuff, you always see these guys screaming or yelling, but the thing is, when something bad happens, it's a very, very quiet thing. When I fell that time, I had no idea what was happening. Ben and the Hummels took advantage of a midwinter weather window. At 13,500 feet on Rainier, they thought that they had crossed a large gaping crevasse that guards Rainier's summit cap, but it was covered in snow, so they weren't really sure where they were at. We're climbing up, and I yell at Ben. I say, Ben, get rid of that damn rope. So he takes off his pack, 
right when it lands. That with the rope in it, that all caves in. And what I saw is they completely disappeared. I'm like, they disappeared with the rope. What, what am I gonna do? Josh stood there in silence. When it had all caved in in places, and it was probably a couple hundred feet down the crevasse, you could see in places where the snow had stopped and in places where it didn't. The snow bottlenecked into the constriction, so Ben and Jason found themselves ten feet down, sitting on an island of snow. On either side, the crevasse disappeared into darkness. They climbed out. Now, most people, they would turn around at this point, but Ben and the Hummels... They don't really make decisions like the rest of us. Some might call it naive, others reckless. But there is a blunt, obvious logic to their approach. We weren't going to let that stop us. I mean, most people would turn around. But yeah, we looked at it there and we're like, well, it's safe now. <laughs> we know where that is. Evidence exceptional to be on time is late. To be late is unacceptable. Of course, I talk about myself in third person. Long overdue, set to blow for certain. Three LPs under capital machine. Ski historian Lou Dawson infamously wrote of the Cascades, If the locals wouldn't crank the steeps, it was up to the outsiders. This statement irks Northwest skiers to no end, in part because it's wrong. The Northwest has one of the richest ski mountaineering traditions in the world, and people were pushing the standards just in a quiet way. But it also chafes because, in part, it's true. The competitive spirit that pushed ski mountaineering in places like Jackson Hole and Mammoth wasn't as prevalent here. And many of the notable ski descents, especially on Mount Rainier, went to extreme skiing pioneers like Chris Landry, Doug Coombs, and Andrew McLean, all outsiders. In spring of 2001, Ben and the Hummels formulated a bold plan a descent that would make a statement, and answer Lou Dawson's critique of the Northwest ski community. In 1997, a team of the world's best ski mountaineers comprised of local Carl Skoog, Andrew McLean, Doug Ingersoll, and Armand Dubuc made a descent of the Edmonds Headwall on Rainier's Mowich face. Articles were published, interviews conducted, it even appeared on the local news. But there was also a caveat. McLean went back to attempt the central face and backed off. At the age of 20, Ben and the Hummels set out to claim their spot among the greats. That was probably where we, we first started to step it, step it up a little bit. It was, you know, pretty hairy when we got up there. I mean, it was a big face. It was steep. It was sustained. It was icy. Yeah, we didn't have the gear. We didn't have good crampons. I mean, the crampons would fall off half the time when you put them on. We were kind of, you know, skiers at that point, trying to become mountaineers. Three quarters up the face, ridiculously exposed, they realized that they were in over their heads. It had become a matter of survival. And I remember sitting there, and we were sitting on a tiny little ledge. But anyhow, I remember um, getting my skis on and standing there and, and watching Ben ski out to the middle of the slope. And... I don't remember him stopping. It was just like he skied out to the middle of the slope. He made that instant decision that he was going to make that turn. He made that turn and skied away. And he made it perfectly flawlessly. And I remember going out there and thinking that I could do the same thing. I remember skiing out to the middle of that face, thinking for a couple seconds, throwing that turn down. And I damn near died making that turn. And he was... Uh, 
had the balls to pull it off, but not just that, he had the skill. While they hadn't succeeded on the Mowich, it was a jumping off point for bigger, more riskier terrain. In the next two years, they pioneered more than a dozen new notable descents on Mount Baker, Mount Adams, Mount Shuxon, and in the North Cascades. If it sounds like it was easy, it wasn't. They often failed, but would return again and again until a project was complete. They graduated, Ben took a job as an engineer in Bellingham, and the Hummels moved to Tacoma, where they began careers as financial planners. On Friday nights, they shed suits, slacks, and mild manners, and assumed their larger-than-life mountain personas. They used every moment of their weekend to further their goals, often foregoing sleep altogether. When it rained, they took up kayaking with the same fervor and do-it-yourself mentality with which they had approached skiing. During the weeknights, they would update their website. Went to Steamboat when I was five. Snowmass when I was six. And then we'd go a couple times a year to uh, New Mexico. Growing up in Lubbock, Texas, so four hours away is Rui Dulce, New Mexico. I was so into it, I would collect brochures at all the ski shops and subscribe to ski magazines. I was looking at all these, and, oh, we got to go here and here and here, and I'd mow lawns and save up money and imagine these ski trips we would do. This is Sky, and to say that Sky is unique is an understatement. To say that he is opinionated is even a bigger one. I don't ever want a team of people built around what I'm doing. I don't... I don't want to fly a cargo plane full of shit around the world. I don't. I want. I want to keep it simple. While Sky harbored the same passion for skiing, he came from a very different background. While the Hummels were spending high school weekends backcountry skiing, Sky was getting into trouble on the streets of Portland. In his junior year, Sky had been a National Merit Award finalist. In his senior year, he dropped out of school altogether. Skiing is a healthy outlet. Yeah. I used, to, I used to cause myself a lot of undue trouble, though. I was, I was into graffiti for a while. Did you do a lot of tagging? I did a little bit of tagging. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. It wasn't, it, did you approach it with the same ambition you did with yeah, skiing? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Towards the end of that year, he decided he was wasting his time. He got his GRE and managed to head back to Texas, where he graduated from Texas Tech with a degree in physics. While he hadn't skied in years, he wanted to get back closer to the mountains. So he enrolled in the nuclear physics PhD program at the University of Washington. Like so many of us up here in the Northwest, he purchased a few books. First, The Freedom of the Hills, and then next, Fred Becky's Alpine Guides, Volumes 1, 2, and 3. And then, Sky started daydreaming. In the beginning, there was a Becky Guide. <laughs> so you opened the Becky Guide, and I remember, for instance, the Red Becky open it, bam, Price Glacier, open it, boom, here's the northeast face of Mount Fury. When he googled Glacier Peak after a successful climb, he discovered Cascade Classics. That's how we met. That's how we met. So he writes an email and, you know. It was cool, you're putting down some cool stuff. Awesome lines. It was kind of like, you know, some some kid that had yo in there a few times and hey man, and, and so Ben... It was, was a funny available dude. one week, and he's yeah. like, dude, why don't you go ski with these Yeah, why don't you go ski with these two guys? And so Sky went and skied with us. It was really weird that he even came with us, because honestly, it was Ben, Josh, and I. That's all we did. And so for somebody else to kind of get into sort of our fun. group, I mean, yeah. it, was, it was fun to take somebody new. 
When the Hummels were sick or had family obligations, Ben turned to Sky as a partner. Ben's eyes were continually drawn to bigger, harder, steeper projects, and Sky was motivated. Yeah, Ben definitely tested uh, Sky out by just taking this guy out and just doing whatever he wanted to do because Sky just would go do it. And so I think he really enjoyed that. I know Ben did. Yeah, he'd be I'm, like, let's go ski this you know, huge, long, almost impossible route in the day. It was clear that Ben's ambitions reached higher, but Ben and the Hummels had developed into an incredibly motivated, experienced bunch. And Sky had hit the ground running. They lived for the weekends. They seldom made excuses. They shattered the perception that standard pushing was for pros and people who lived out of the back of trucks. Weekend warriors were just as capable. It was time for a vacation. Deep inside the remote picket range on the U.S.-Canadian border, the northeast face of Mount Fury is an alpine climber's dream and a skier's nightmare. It's guarded by two-day approach of slide alder and devil's club over undulating terrain. It features 50 to 60 degree snow fields above cliffs and heavily crevassed glacier. In June, with classes finishing off for Sky, Ben and Jason took a vacation. The pickets, although not as quite as grand in stature as the 14,000-foot Mount Rainier, offer incredible relief. They are as remote as any range in the lower 48, and Mount Fury is the crown jewel. They shouldered 80-pound packs and set out under the weight of an audacious goal. That was hardly a project, though, because we just did it. it yeah. I mean, there, there were no attempts to go in there five days and nail Fury and Luna. That's, that's pretty amazing. We got lucky, for sure. The details have dissolved over time, but the photos still speak volumes. The group had evolved into the finest ski mountaineers. It was clear, though, that they were entering into territory where return was no longer guaranteed. Ben had become the skier and climber he had always dreamed of becoming. Anything was possible. He was good enough to pull it off, and maybe his imagination was a little bit beyond yours. It's not just that. You reach a certain point where, God, this is how much, how much risk, risk you want to take. Yeah, and it's... It's not that, okay, it's great to go ski something steep, but is it great to go do something and die for it? I'm fluent in the beautifulest words in the language. The reason for the worst thing you ever said. You'll never feel your living monkey before I render. I'll still be here when you tell On November 9th, 2003, Ben Manfredi dropped into a rapid on the Grand Canyon of the Elwha River and never came out. He was almost 25 years old when he died. To the Hummels, Ben had become their brother. And for the first time, they saw quite clearly the flip side of all those close calls that had become great tales. They saw how the loss cascaded through Ben's family, how it coursed through their own lives. Every time I went out, I didn't consider it. I didn't think I'd ever die. We were invincible. We were invincible. Yeah. Felt invincible with whatever afterward, we did. Afterward, though, didn't feel because you think, man, what could that person have been? And so you I kind mean, of had something to live up to, you know. When somebody defined your life so much, you know, you think that you have to live up to something. And 
make good decisions and make your life worth something. Or when you look in the eyes of somebody that was better than you. You know, here's a guy that was better than me in every way I could think of. Smarter, better skier, better climber. And here he is, Ed. Looking for a man in a moment of madness. I'm looking for a woman with a For the first time, they could see the mountains, not through the scene of youth, but in full light. Beautiful, terrifying, empowering, and humbling. It was a pursuit riddled with contradictions that could not be reconciled. Not only it isn't just you that you're risking, you're risking everybody else you know, around their you, life, around your family you. and everybody else and how much you potentially mean to them. And if something happens to you, that will destroy a lot of those people's lives. And you know, I saw that happen you know, with Ben when he passed away. It hurt a lot of people. While the Hummel's perspective had changed, the trips didn't stop. The Hummels carried on Ben's website, and they started their own, Cascade Crusades, skyheadskisickness.com. In a sense, these became de facto guidebooks. It was as if, suddenly, Northwest skiers had finally found their watering hole to compare notes and boast. There were new faces and new friendships. Sky was developing into a first-rate mountaineer, just as quickly as Ben and the Hummels had before him. And just as Ben had, Sky was drawn not to the lines that could be skied, but to the ones that might be skiable. And along the way, Sky made his share of fair mistakes that he was lucky to ski away from. It's absolutely risky, but you know, ri- risky stuff is fun. I've been a strong believer in this my whole life. When I, you know, when I was eight years old and my mom was working, I'd walk home and climb up in a tree and jump off it, jump off the roof. When I was uh, interested in this graffiti thing. I used to hang out in train yards and jump on trains, and that that was fun too, and I'm pretty sure that's risky. In 2005, the Hummels, accompanied by Sky and others, returned to the central Mowich face on Rainier in hopes of completing what they had set out to do with Ben four years earlier. Andrew McLean had been foiled by blue ice, Ben and the Hummels by a lack of experience. For Jason, the face had become goal number one. In mid-July, the Mowat face was bullet snow. As they neared 11,000 feet, Jason looked at the sun reflecting off the sheen of ice. He oscillated between the summit's pole and a desire to go down. He weighed completing one of the finest descents in the country and the possibility that he might not return from it. When he voiced his concern, the majority of the group decided to go down. Sky continued. He would ski it alone. Ben's imagination had provided the blueprint. The Hummel's energy laid the foundation. Now Sky would complete the job. Mount Rainier is the center stage of Cascade Steep Skiing. Sky seems comfortable in its spotlight. Every year since he's added a new major first descent, equaling the total number of first descents in the prior decade in the course of three years. For the most part, I always thought that uh, worrying about first descents was really stupid because you can't really know whether anyone skied something. And really, the ultimate question is, is it worth skiing and do you want to ski it? And... Ideally, that shouldn't be affected at all by whether someone else has skied the damn thing. He's climbed Rainier 15 times by 15 routes, often without sleeping. 
In April of 2006, Sky ushered the theoretical into reality when he climbed and skied Liberty Ridge in a 24-hour period, a feat akin to running a marathon and then having the stamina and nerve to ski back down through potentially fatal terrain. It's 12,000 feet worth of climbing. It's a trip that takes most people three or four days. It was a world-class effort. He's definitely pushed the envelope uh, beyond anybody in, I mean, in the country very well. I mean, you, if you do the carbon up the Liberty Ridge in a day, that's like going from base camp at Everest to the summit and back in a day. The same elevation. I think I've tried harder and wanted it a lot more than a lot of other people. But, you know, maybe people think I'm just a complete deranged idiot for having even <laughs> attempted such a thing. I don't know, right? There, there are a lot of ways of looking at something. You know, some people have the ability just to take on that assumption of risk. You can only do it so many times. I think anybody can become good, but it's just, are they willing to sacrifice? Are they willing to take on certain risks? Are they lucky not to pay the price? Life flash before your eyes, touch right through to the soul, illusions exposed right here on a reel in a theater. If you're not willing to die doing it, you can still die doing it. So what are you doing with yourself if you're not willing to die doing something? I don't know. You should find something else to do or go hide under your bed. I definitely don't want to die. Right now, the season is in full swing. Big ideas are being formulated every weekend. There are firsts and remarkable descents. Sky is in the midst of writing his thesis. He's hoping to move to Grenoble, France, to pursue his postdoc in nuclear physics. The Alps' faces and prominent stage are waiting for him. The Hummels, they will always be here. But the risks they've reveled in have evolved into tall tales rather than weekly episodes. It's not about uh, how extreme something is, you know, or how difficult it is, um, or how far out there or where it's at. It's about who you're with. You know, we don't need to reach the summit of anything. Hell, if we just reached the parking lot, the drive there was half the adventure. That's, that's, that's a good friendship. I think that's more important. Sky and the Hummels still ski together, but less these days. Sky jokes that it's because Jason takes too many pictures of flowers. Ben's photos hang in every corner of the Hummels' home. They're a constant reminder of those early adventures and all the risks and rewards that came with them. You really saw what somebody was made of. You really saw when you were the person you thought you could be. And so, you know, sometimes you find yourself stepping up to the plate. Sometimes you don't. You are just who you are, and there's nothing else to hide. The ski community, a group of friends bound together by mountains, the Ben and the Hummels and Sky helped catalyze, continues to grow. It's a high watermark that will remain recorded on the homemade web pages. The next generation will arrive to carve out their own set of mistakes and triumphs. And when they do, they will have an older generation to guide them. Just build a tradition of uh, good ski mountaineers who make good, rounded decisions and not uh, 
not become too cocky. You know, the mountains, uh, it'll tell you when it's time. And when it's not right, walk away. Come back. It's great about them. They'll always be there. If you listen to the audio portion of this episode, we have a photo and video enhanced version up on the site, dirtbagdiaries.com. Go check it out. The photos you saw today span the course of a decade. Big thanks to Sky and the Hummels for going through and compiling all those shots. Their friend and fellow ski partner, Phil Fortier, provided the video. For links to Sky, the Hummels, and Ben's sites and other background information, visit our site. Music today is where to start. First, a special thanks to Friend of Mine from the United Kingdom who provided the majority of the cuts today. Their collection of musicians, artists, and surfers. You can check them out at myspace.com, my friend of mine. Otherwise, today was the episode of the remix. Lyrics Born remixed with KRS-One, Sally Shapiro remixed by the Junior Boys, and Brooklyn producer Amp Live reworked Radiohead and Del the Funky Homo Sapien. If you missed something, it's all on our website. Don't worry, it's there. As always, this is made possible by the people of Patagonia. I may still be skiing, but the rest of the world has moved on to sports like surfing and rock climbing, and Patagonia has the summertime clothes for you. If you've got a question or a story idea, leave us a comment on the site, or drop us a line at dirtbagdiaries at earthlink.net. I'd love to hear from you. I'm Fitz Cahal, and you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Diaries.